Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to part two of the Beetlejuice Ensemble episode with Elliot Maddox, Ramon Owens, and Dana Steingold. You listened to a long introduction at the beginning of the first part, so I'll just skip all that now and get straight to it. And now, everyone, please enjoy part two. Here you go. One, two, three. What's impressive, though, what I was going to continue saying earlier was was that you're you're doing multiple versions, like morning, afternoon, and night, whatever. But as ensemble and as a swings and as standbys and whatnot, you may be rehearsing different things for different tracks all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's just impressive, beyond impressive. And I, I truly think that like ensemble, just the backbone of mm-hmm. theater, you know, because oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. everything, everything rides on, on all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they often work the longest out. I mean, you guys (laughs) were there so many hours restaging numbers. So many hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, The audience feedback, though, like at the the stage door and whatnot, you you touched on like the cosplay and the younger generation now with social media. But the show itself comes with like the older generation coming for nostalgia, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got... Two different generations kind of hitting the show from opposite yeah. sides. Do you, do you find different reactions from different folks for different reasons? Um, I just think it's exciting that, again, Beetlejuice, it's a little crass, but you have parents and children there, whereas a lot of the naughty jokes the children don't get, you know, and the parents mm-hmm. are cracking up, or in some of the sillier things the children are just kind of laughing at, which I don't think is something that families get to do too often, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I think there are certain shows that are more children's theater that are Broadway shows that parents don't get to enjoy as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's fun that you can bring your entire family and everybody have a really good time. And yeah. that's been kind of an unexpected yeah. thing for us, especially with DC. It was, um, I would say if DJ, if DC was rated like NC-17, then um, then now what we're doing is rated PG-13. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, like PG- It was that different? There was a parental yes. advisory oh, yes. in, in, was, in um, DC, yeah. yeah. It was very different. And, yeah. and Dana and I can speak to the fact that, like, <laughs> the version in DC was by far the, <laughs> the cleanest no version. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh it, was, was it was in the so raunchy way. when we started. Yeah, because it was just fun and yeah. kind of like, it was a, a different thing. But I yeah. think they found the best version to really tell the story. Yeah. And to um, and, and keep the humor, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and but bring it, but bring it to such a wide audience, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think along with girls and parents and their children, what's interesting to me is I've never done a show that I think has actually successfully kind of reached that like straight white male bro crowd. Sure, and yes. they yes. love uh, it. My yeah. husband, not calling him a bro, but my <laughs> <laughs> but my husband has seen the show. He's never seen anything I've done more than once. He's just like he, he like comes and mm-hmm. so, you yeah, know he's yeah, seen it the right. opening and the closing right. and loves it. He has seen the show like 
maybe 12 times. Yeah. He's seen me go on for Lydia three times. Uh-huh. He's seen me do the Girl Scout 14 times. He loves it. And you, the way he talks about it to his friends, it's like actually genuine. Yeah. And all our friends who come, it's it's just so, it's mind-blowing. I don't think yeah. most shows are able to capture that audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really like it. It's There's a certain sort of SNL feel, I think, to the mm-hmm. whole thing. And I think people know how to how to respond to that kind of humor. It's not like a classic musical theater, like joke punchline setup situation. Well, and we set it up from the very beginning that, yeah, it's a musical. We know it's going to be stupid at times, but just bear with us. You're you're in good hands. Like that's the whole, that's why the opening is so successful. I think because it's like, it pokes fun at the musical. It's aware. And it's just, you know, you're in good hands already. And you're just going to like have a, like a wild time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Breaks the fourth wall right yeah. off. The right bat. away. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, they're, Alex is interacting with the audience mm-hmm. and yeah, it seems like you're right. It, it does attract a different, a different type of bro. If we want to call <laughs> yeah. it that, well, I guess. It is. It is. I, I think it's a great show to introduce someone to theater totally. that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. go out to see theater. It know? also feels cool. Like the yeah. thing it that I think cool. Alex Timbers does so well to, I mean, there's 5,000 things yeah. that I could name, but yeah. one of the amazing things he does, I think with a lot of most of his shows is he creates environments, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the second you walk into that theater, you feel like you're at a cool event, Mm -hmm. like you're at the box downtown or something different or weird and not like walking into a theater to see a proper musical. And Mm -hmm. I think that has set us up for success before we even begin. And then we have Matt Stein's music that he orchestrated. Mm -hmm. And you just feel like you're in a whole different Mm -hmm. place. And you're like, where am I? Hand me a drink. Yeah. I'm ready. Exactly. (laughs) And P.S. Matt Stein's um, pre-show music was just released on YouTube today. So if you have a Halloween party... Play it's it. the perfect under oh, music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I read that. Um, I got to go grab that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I want to get into a couple other things that you guys do. So, yeah. Um, Elliot, of course, pa- also part of the Broadway Podcast Network. <laughs> Why, yes. <laughs> <laughs> With your podcast, Equity One. Yes, yes. What is an Equity One, for those who don't know? <laughs> okay, so Equity One is is slang for um, the drink you have between... <laughs> Um, a matinee and an evening show like you know if you're catching up with your friend you're just gonna go have have a quick beer and a bite to eat yeah and you're, you're still you're still fine to do your second show <laughs> <laughs> why yeah. did you decide to start your podcast um my my best friend Caleb and I who's my co-host on equity one Caleb Dickey Caleb yeah. Dickey we always um we were roommates in college we were always really close and uh we always wanted to do something creative together. You know, there were, there were ideas for a little web series or like little ideas that we had always kind of tossed around that never felt like a good fit. And we were, we were um, FaceTiming once and my boyfriend Michael was there and he was like listening to our back and forth and just like cracking up because we just like to, we (laughs) just have a good, like, you know, back and forth. We have a good time talking to each other. And he was like that, you guys should have a podcast because just listening to you all made me laugh. And I was like, oh my God, that's literally the perfect thing. And it just kind of fell into kind of the perfect way for us to do something together, talk to people. And um, yeah, so it's just our little creative baby that we have together. That's fun. I enjoy listening to it. Well, as um, for those of you who don't listen, we refer to Alan lovingly as our <laughs> podcast dad because in <laughs> um, as we have... Um, joined the amazing Broadway podcast network and get to record in this amazing studio. Now, um, Alan helps bring our podcast to life in a, uh, much fancier and, uh, 
nicer way than we ever did with our like you know portable mic and and uh, prayer <laughs> but we have so much fun with you in the room too we're glad you have a mic now and can talk to oh, us thanks. <laughs> i'm blushing thank you um yeah and and um so ramon you were saying you do you teaching and what else do you do like stuff outside of the show and oh hit the old mic start that again so outside of the show, Ramon, you said you were doing teaching and stuff, and you do things with kids? Yeah, I yeah. teach every once in a while. My friend Robert Hartwell has a business called The Broadway Collective that I am an unofficial dance captain for. <laughs> um, I usually help with choreography. I'll do master classes with students, a lot of Q&As. Right now we're doing uh, college pre-screening, which is something that students have to do now. Brand new. <laughs> it's so crazy. College students have to make a video of them doing a monologue, a dance, and singing yeah. that they submit to colleges before they even get a proper audition wow. for an institution. Um, so this part of the program that I'm working on now, they we pretty much help students build footage for their pre-screen. Um, and usually, well, I've got a cute little three-year-old multi-poo named Miles that I <laughs> spend a lot cute. of my time oh, with. Oh, he's the best. He comes to the theater <laughs> sometimes the on two-show days. Um, and usually take a lot of class, really. Yeah. Cool. Honestly, though, I haven't felt like I've had a lot of time lately. We, you know, October's been busy. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, very, yeah. Yeah. It's been yeah. very busy. So I'm kind of, you know, re-getting my footing down as far as time outside of the show. Yeah. Well, this is a weird, a weird Sunday night we're recording here anyway. Yeah. 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 Because so, Sukkot's tomorrow, yes. or, or in Indigenous and People's Indigenous Day, People's yeah. Day tomorrow. So for whatever reason, yeah, you guys don't have an afternoon matinee. You've got an evening yeah. show on a Sunday. Yes, which I think is weird. I think because of the um, people have time off for the Monday, a lot of times uh, they're looking for something to do on a Sunday mm-hmm. night with their yeah. families. If the kids don't have school, um, it's worked for us in the past with holidays. Yeah. So yeah. our producers are smart in uh, capitalizing on when people are gonna come see the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Dana, you also are the voice of Saraline Timbers on yes. Welcome to the Wayne, yes. an animated show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's pretty recent. In the last like two years, right? Yeah. Well, it started as a, it was their online streaming platform that Nickelodeon started and it was just going to be accessible by the app. And we did a season and then uh, about nine months later they said, we loved it. We want to put it on television. And uh, then we've done three seasons since. Yeah. So. Well, it's it's a fun. It seems like it's a fun kind of character voicey sort of thing for you. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's essentially me, but drier and a little bit heightened, um, and kind of how I am with my siblings. I, she's kind <laughs> of like a powerful, like Angelica from the Rugrats character, Work. but with smarts. And yeah. yeah, she's the baby. So sister. Susie Carmichael. Yes, <laughs> yes, she's yeah. the baby sister who knows way more than the brothers. Yeah. So she's a very cool, like female empowerment, tech savvy. Kind of lady. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, can you, because I think voiceover is so interesting. Can you talk like you do a season of a show? What is that like for you? Like, do you do that in like a day or like? That was my next no. question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Don't put a podcast host on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. He will steal your questions. <laughs> um, no, you usually get booked for like a session and you'll sometimes, depending on how much you do, they can do two episodes in a session, but I would say it usually takes about an hour to two hours to bang out a an episode for like a 22-minute episode because it's it's such a different experience than theater. Um, every line is numbered and you'll do each line like seven different times, seven different ways. I'm often uh, the first person to record the episode, 
Uh, so there's no context yet for like if I'm running, if I'm whispering, if I'm mm-hmm. yelling at him. So we'll try it a bunch of different ways. And then um, they layer everything on. And months later, we'll come back for round two and there'll be like a scratch animation and we'll have reworked certain lines and you'll plug those in and do some pickups. And then later you'll be doing some pickups that are like set to the animation. So it'll be mm-hmm. like you have to fit it in this amount of time and make it try to match the flap of uh-huh. <laughs> like wow. the animation. And then you come in for like Walla, which is like extraneous, you know, like huffing, puffing, running, uh-huh. screaming, that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah. What's it called? Walla? Walla. Yeah. Is that short for something? I'm sure it is. I don't know what it is. I'm not a good enough person, like a not a good enough voiceover artist to tell you, but I think. (laughs) But it said Walla on the schedule. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, literally, like, I think the first time I ever saw it, they were like, okay, so we're going to bring you in for Walla. And I was like, mm hmm. Okay, great. Okay, like, Walla's a character. Yeah, I was like, what are the signs? Yeah. I was like, okay, great. I'm super ready to do whatever you throw at me. And then I came and it was literally like, grunt, run, jump. Run, hit a wall, fall down. And it's oh crazy because you're like, <laughs> uh, like it's <laughs> such a way. but you like spend two hours doing that and you're like, what did I just get paid for? Like this is the weirdest job I've ever so had. So weird. That's so great. Yeah. So cool. That's it's fun. so weird. Yeah, I, I, I think Foley <clears throat> artists, like VO artists yeah. and Foley artists are like two things that I would, in a different life, I would I would hit head in that, that direction because I think like just figuring out, you know, like, oh, I'm breaking bones and, yeah. and but, yeah. but I got to crunch lettuce. So cool. Yeah. 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 You know, I think the Foley, th- Foley artists are fascinating. Are absolutely incredible. So like incredible. the tricks that they have yeah. up their yeah. sleeves. But so we're recording on a Sunday, and actually two days ago was a National Coming Out Day, and and yes. Um, so for those listening, happy Coming Out Day! Happy if you actually if you actually uh, decided to come out, and I was hoping and wondering if anybody here at the table would be willing to share their coming out stories. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ramon did a post about it <laughs> on his Instagram. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I took these photos. I did a photo shoot with Elle Morgan Lee of Blue Photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, let's do some photos, like some dance photos, like in dance spells. And I was like, okay, sure. So I was like, I don't know when I'm ever going to post these photos. <laughs> you know, like I got these photos when I'm going to post them. Uh, yeah, and I felt like coming out day was like appropriate. Mm-hmm. I thought the photo that I posted was a freedom of expression, if you will. Yeah. Um, and gorge. Thanks. Loving Thank you. Um, I'm not usually one to like long caption, but I was just moved that day I by, you know, it being coming out day. Um, I was 15 years old. My dad's a pastor uh, in Los Angeles, and I was messing around with someone at church uh, as a child. <laughs> and I told my youth leader, um, and pretty much after a few months of me like entrusting her with me being gay and telling her that I was like messing around with someone at church, she like met with me and my parents together and like <laughs> told my parents for me, Ooh. Uh, which was probably the worst thing that someone Oof. could do to yeah. a child without fair warning. She's like, Hey, like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. She's like, let's get lunch at four o'clock. I'm like, okay, great. I get home about like three 30. I'm like, Hey mom, what are you doing? She's like getting lunch uh, at four o'clock with, uh, I'll call her Susie. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> great. I was like, me too. Can you know, get like a ride? doorbell rings. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Open the door. She's like, we're telling your parents right now. I was like, are you serious? Um, needless to say, it was uh, difficult in that my parents, they didn't freak out or anything. They're trying their best to understand mm-hmm. what all of that meant. Again, my dad is a pastor, so he 
he lives by like transparency. So literally a couple of weeks later, he gathered all of the leaders of the church and pretty much told them, hey, like my son's gay. He's been messing around with this person at church so that you hear it from me instead of hearing it among other people at church. Mm-hmm. Hated that so much as a 15 year old. I get it. I get it. But like, mm-hmm. I was like, well, shit, you know? Um, yeah. And that's kind of what that was. I luckily was a junior in high school. So I was able to like just dive into rehearsal and I picked up a couple of more extracurricular activities. Uh, my older brother was also someone that I came out to who knew already and was just very loving and accepting. He's also my very best friend to this day. Um, yeah. And then again in college, I feel like I had to come out a few times with mm-hmm. my parents. Like maybe they're like, okay, like he's a teenager. I went away to school. I was dating someone at the time whose mom was crazy um, <laughs> and threatened to call the police on me because she couldn't find her son one day. Um, and I told my mom, I was like, mom, this lady is crazy. I'm not sure what she's going to do. You know, they were very Southern Baptist. Um, yeah. So she was like, okay, great. I was away at school. So there wasn't much right. that my parents could do sure. or say at that point. Um <clears throat> And then I actually brought my boyfriend home when I was 26 years old. And that was like me as an adult being like, hey, guys, I tried this two other times. I'm not really sure (laughs) where we were with all of that because there weren't too many conversations happening beyond like Mm -hmm. them like dodging and, you know, not really talking to me about it. Yeah. Um, Man, I brought my boyfriend home at the time and I was like, yeah, this is it. Remember? The other mm-hmm. two times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any advice that you would give anybody else? Yeah. I mean, the hardest two part. Two days late right now, but. The hardest part was being a teenager at church with so many people that knew this about me and mm-hmm. weren't contributing in any positive way. Um, but just trust yourself and love yourself and continue to feed yourself the things that you need. And there will be so many people that will have so many things to say, but you may not realize it now those people don't matter. You know, I Mm -hmm. like to tell people if they aren't paying your bills, if they don't feed you, or if you don't properly like sleep with them every night, quite honestly, anything else I give you is an extension of myself. Um, and I don't owe you anything. So by all means, you look at yourself in the mirror every night. And as long as you're okay with yourself, that's all that matters. You know, you wake up every day and the things that you do for yourself that day are what last and what matter. And everybody else around you doesn't matter if they aren't contributing in a positive light. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, My coming out story was a little bit different. Um, I have always, first of all, I've always like kind of like resented the idea of coming out. Um, because it, I think, I hope that one day we'll get to a place where, like, coming out is not a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it shouldn't be a thing. Like, no one has to come out as straight. It just assumes. It just yeah. is assumed. Yeah. So, like, the idea of coming out, I've never loved. Um, so, my story is a little different, though, because I have, there was a period of, like, three years in my family where there was a coming out every year. So, like, my junior year of college, my brother came out. And um, it was basically in a conversation where my mom was like, and she, this is years ago, so she's changed now, you know, very different time, but where she was like, this is, I saw this on Facebook and on social media and what is this like, what's going on? And so my, my brother kind of came out to her kind of in a similar way that you were 
you came out to your parents where it was just kind of, it had to happen. Yeah. Um, and so, and that was a lot harder for my mom at that point. She was like reading a lot of like religious literature on what to do in those situations. And that was kind of a tough time for my family. When that was a tough time, I was like dealing with that being a tough time and knowing that like, you know, I'm also going to have to do that at some point. So Mm -hmm. it's probably not going to be easy for me either. Um, the next year, my uncle, who is, was in his 40s, um, came out to my family, and it was kind of a big coming out. It was like, I'm gay. I've been dating this. I've been dating my partner for seven years, and I'm wow. also moving to Florida to live with him and um, work together. Wow. So it was a lot. That was a, like a big coming out. And um, that kind of like laid – it all kind of laid the groundwork in everyone being really understanding – and kind of seeing all of the the pieces kind of come together. So by the time that I came out, I, I like to like say that everyone stole my thunder because it was just <laughs> kind of like a, it was just kind of like a non-event. Um, but it was very easy. I mean, it was just a conversation with my mom where we kind of talked about it. It wasn't me being like, I have something to tell you, you know what yeah. I mean? Like very dramatic. It was just kind of a conversation of like, you know, when it's your business, when I'm dating someone and I care about them, you're going to know. But yeah. as of now, I mean, I'm the same person. So I don't need to tell you every aspect of my life right now. And and um, times have changed so much yeah. so quickly. Mm-hmm. And um So I encourage everyone to take your own time, take your own path in it, and um, only only come out if you think you should. And there are so many different ways that um, there are so many different you know crayons in the crayon box, and you just gotta like take your time and and know that there's no rush, and you can just be yourself, and and that's that's good enough. You don't have to try and be anything else you don't have to put anything on yourself any pressure or anything like that um <coughs> yeah just be you and let's i can't wait until national coming out day doesn't exist anymore because yeah. coming out doesn't totally. exist anymore yeah so yeah that's a good point it's just every everything is kind of assumed one mm-hmm. way and then you have to oh correct everybody yeah like dana you identify as straight right we're talking about your husband i do yeah, yeah. but i would say definitely consider myself an ally and i but yeah, it's it's weird to me as well because I've been surrounded by it for so much of my life and it just seems like a non-thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I went to a theater camp. So again, there was like, there were 10, 11 year olds who were, um, we used to joke that like, they used to make us stay out of the boys building, but we were like, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing's Not happening if we go into yeah. the building. Yeah. Um, so it was such a non-thing to me, even though I was in a suburb of Michigan and it wasn't necessarily commonplace in my high school. But, you know, as an ally, I do, um, I recognize that these days exist because there are days of visibility for people who, in a lot of parts of the country, that we live in and the world uh, feel invisible. Mm-hmm. And so I, I see why um, it's great to celebrate the visibility, but I mm-hmm. agree. I, I hope that we get to a place where that's unnecessary because you can just be whoever you are and be accepted everywhere you are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Okay. So we got to get you guys over to your show. So <laughs> we're going to skip over here into my standard closing questions that I ask <laughs> everybody on the podcast. So it's three questions and I'll ask each of you. Actually, let's start with Dana. Very simply first, what motivates you? What motivates me? Um, the people I love and right. my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Ramon? Um, come back to me, actually. All right, Elliot. 
What motivates me um, uh, right now, just uh, being right now, I'm really motivated by being um, surrounded by something I love doing and something that I um, consider um, that something that encompasses all of my favorite things about being an actor, which is just like making people laugh, telling an awesome story and being around cool people. So that's motivating me right now Mm -hmm. to keep doing those things. Ramon, back to you. Great. Um, (laughs) I'm motivated by, uh, I guess, the the passion and love for theater and the the idea that there's discovery almost every single day. Like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Oh, I didn't know I could explore that. I didn't know I could, you know, I, Mm -hmm. there's so many things about myself that I still don't know. And I think being able to dive into those things every day in a new light motivates me. All right. So pay attention to the next question because I'm coming to you. Okay. (laughs) Elliot, we'll start with you here. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Um, I said this the other day to talk back and it just like was resonating with me. Um, Work hard, but don't work too hard. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. Like I was very hyper-focused when I was younger Mm -hmm. and like so like set on this goal and like working hard to achieve it when I was young. Like that's not super normal, but... A lot of us can relate to that. And um, I realize more and more how important it is to just like have fun and just like be a, like enjoy life. So work hard, but don't work too hard. (laughs) And stay a fan. That's my favorite. Stay a fan. Dana? Um, I think the best advice I would have is to figure out a way to constantly redefine what success is because this business is a very long road and a long journey and um, it's people peak at different times and you'll watch people shoot to the top really quickly and then not work for two years Mm -hmm. and you'll watch people who work consistently and everybody's journey is really different. So I think the thing that keeps me going at least is, you know, Broadway's amazing and I'm thrilled to be here and, but it also took me a long way and a long time to get here. And so you just have to figure out how to make each thing important and why are you doing each thing. And I think you'll figure out that you're more successful than you think at most stages of the game. Mm-hmm. Cool. Ramon? I would tell my younger self, theater student person, to just keep going. Keep going. Again, like Dana said, this road is very long and very hard. Um, it can get discouraging. But just keep going. Keep working hard. Keep practicing. And also... If you have other talents and hobbies, dig into those too. Like, yeah. lean into those things as well because you never know how those things will serve you. And I do believe that um, to be a great artist is to be a well-rounded person as well. Yeah. So, like, love your art, work hard at that. But also, like, don't, don't be afraid of the world around you and other things around you. All right. So, final question. I'm going to start with you. Okay. Ramon. <laughs> if you can only see one show for the rest of your life, oh my god! But you can see it as many times as you want. Oh, oh my god! This is like this is no. Oh my god! What would you see? Woof! That's not even like what would you listen to? It's what would you see? That's yeah. Fair. Um, <laughs> it can be something that's gonna make me sad. I wish I was videotaping this. All of you just I like, know. I'm like stressing so, out. Because like, I think so also many. the three of us, you, you have three people in particular who are huge musical theater yeah. fans yeah. And, oh, and have been listening to cast albums since we've been like four. Yeah, since forever. This is challenging. We're not those people who just started in I'm like, like stretching. Like, yeah. um, call me a clam, but I think it would be um, 42nd Street. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going to say the original 
production that does the ballet at the end, not the staircase. Uh, because I love, <laughs> yeah, only because it's, it's such a production. There's so many production numbers. Mm -hmm. Like I love a show with like eight part harmonies, like big dance numbers, so many leads. Like I just love a big show. Um, and it's so intact and it's worked for so long. And I just love that. And I, I would just that. be there so happy every single day. <laughs> yeah. Dana. I'm like sweating because it's like, <laughs> how do you live in a world where you can't see a Sondheim show over yeah, and over or can't. a world where you can't see She Loves Me? But I think, <laughs> I think I'm going to say Gypsy. Oh, sure. The oh. great American musical. Yes. It's perfect. Nice. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to say it's, this kind of shocked me, but it was the first thing that came to my mind, the Drowsy Chaperone. Oh. oh, I would see the Drowsy Chaperone over and over again. It is gives me all my musical theater nerdiness, <laughs> love, and it's funny, and it's also uh, one act. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and let's be real, the most important thing, it's 110 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> most important. All right, so how can we find you online? Um, you can find my podcast online mm. at the Broadway Podcast Network. That's Equity One, Broadway's Happy Hour. Um, but you can find me, Elliot, at on everything at Elliot Maddox. That's two L's, two T's. <laughs> <laughs> Dana. Um, I'm at D Steinface, D-S-T-E-I-N face. Face? <laughs> Steinface, yeah. yeah. Ramon? And I'm at Ramon Deshaun. That's R-A-M-O-N-E. D-E-S-H-O-N <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's about it. All right, right. And, uh, of course, Beetlejuice is playing at the Winter Garden Theater. Everybody go to BeetlejuiceBroadway.com. Get your tickets. You can get more of me at TheTheaterPodcast.com. Show your support at TheTheaterPodcast.com slash Patreon, of course. This is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, so go to BPN.FM slash TTP, our handy short link to go visit me there. <laughs> you can get theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter, facebook.com slash official theater podcast. There's so many ways. <laughs> Listen, subscribe. Please leave a rating. I love reading the ratings. This is edited by Matthew Hendershot. And of course, uh, Jukebox the Ghost. A big thanks to them for the intro and outro music. And then thank you to Ramon, Dana, and Elliot for being here. This has thanks been so much fun. Yeah. Thank so you for having fun. us, yeah. Alan. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.